0: Excited to see what they come up with. This could be fun. Big three formation and a night that Gamecock fans have waited a long time for and will savor forever. Haven't seen a handshake yet. It's gonna be hard to execute that now. party is on Columbia I and Bieber did not come together and Josh just be an escorter off of this field and away from this party Spencer Rattler says I'm keeping that football I'm keeping that for life
1: he should <laughs> what a night it's night you dream about
0: Welcome to the Chatting Yardage Podcast, presented by Sports Strength. Now, here's your host, Cam Matthews.
1: Welcome to your friendly neighborhood college football podcast. Welcome to Chatting Yardage Part of the Chatting Average family and brought to you by our friends at Sports Drink. Hello everybody, welcome once again to the show. I'm your host, Mr. Cam Matthews. You can find me on Twitter at HeyCam93. You can also follow the show and be part of the conversation at Chatting Yardage. Well, week 13 is coming up. It is, it is rivalry week. Uh, as it tends to be this time of year. Uh, you know, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, always a, always a fun week in, in terms of both professional and college football. You have so many rivalry games. You have so many uh, conferences, you know, taking shape and, and coming to fruition, so to speak, um, as it certainly will this coming weekend. Uh, and it's hard to believe that this season has already flown by as fast as it has uh, you know there's still so many coaching uh, coaching jobs out there that are still open, rumors running rampant uh, but nothing really to report on as of this week. but I have a feeling there's a there's a certain university in the, within the state of Alabama that, We'll be hiring a new head coach before too, too long, uh, if not in the uh, in the next couple of weeks. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that bridge uh, whenever it appears up down the road. We'll go ahead and take a look back at last week's pick six games of the week. Now, uh, if you are listening to this podcast, go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, we are releasing a day early. Typically, we do release this show on Friday. But uh, with Thanksgiving being today, that is Thursday in which this show is being released. And uh, there being some interesting games coming up within the next couple of days, I wanted to go ahead and get this show out to you guys as kind of a kind of an early uh, early treat and, and a thank you. From me to you for for listening week in week out on this show, uh, but we'll go ahead and take a look at last week's pick six games of the week. Six games that I found interesting, and I believe you should have as well. Uh, TCU slips by Baylor, final score twenty nine to twenty eight. Uh, the Horn Frogs play another close one, had to come back in this one yet again, but still finding a way to win. Uh, That has been the motto for for TCU so far this season. Just find a way, and find a way they did, kicking a last-minute field goal at the very end of the game to be able to pull away in this one. Really good back-and-forth contest. Boy, Baylor was playing some of their best football they have all season long uh, on Saturday, but it just was not enough to take down Sonny Dykes and company up next duke falls to pit 26 to 28 uh, a really good showing by this duke team uh, who i think in, in some regards has kind of has kind of exceeded expectations this year you know you never quite know what you're going to get with a first-year head coach, but with Mike Elko at the helm, the Blue Devils have looked formidable uh, this season several times. And you know they're they're heading to heading to a bowl later on this year. Uh, they've got one game left on the schedule uh, that you know could be a fun one for them coming up against Wake Forest this Saturday. Uh, but then uh, good for Pitt though for finding a way to to you know come away from a for a close one here. Uh, I know this season has been a bit disappointing for Pitt, but good solid win. Over over the blue devils in louisville the cardinals take down nc state 25 to 10 uh this game is going to knock nc state out of the top 25 as they continue to to really stumble down the stretch here uh, of course they've got one big game left on the regular season schedule they are bowl eligible so their season's not over by any means but you know bear in mind that this was a team that some even predicted to make the playoff this year uh, some even predicted Devin Leary to be front-runner for Heisman. Uh, you know, this is the team that had grandiose expectations coming into the season and just has not met those whatsoever. Louisville, meanwhile, has put some, put together some good wins this season. You know, you think back to the win over Wake Forest uh, back on the last weekend of October, and now this is, you know, a dominating win over NC State. You know, the Cardinals have really put together a good season despite all of the rumor and speculation that they're unhappy with Scott Satterfield at the helm. Uh, you can't complain with results that they've gotten this year, especially against some other uh, other conference opponents. Ole Miss gets blown out of the water at Arkansas, 42-27, to and I know that, you know, that's only a 15-point spread, but that final score does not illustrate just how commanding uh, commanding Arkansas was in this game. Uh, Lane Kiffin and, and his and his squad just couldn't quite get anything going against Sam Pittman. And Arkansas, you know, a good solid win for them. Uh, of course, you know, they've had some troubles here in the midpoint of the year, but, you know, looking to really round things out. And a good conference win over who was considered to be a very strong team, you know, up until a few weeks ago in, in Ole Miss. Um, and, of course, Ole Miss has their big rivalry game coming up later this week, which we'll get to. UCLA falls to USC at home in the Rose Bowl, 48 to 45. Is your final score there? Uh, the Trojans uh, continue to sit at the top of the Pac-12. Good win over UCLA, who continues to be a really fun story this year. Uh, I'm not gonna say out of nowhere, but uh, you know, with the quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, who is just a tremendous athlete, and with Chip Kelly, you know, uh, calling the shots there. I think folks expected them to be a decent team, but, you know, they've really put together what is a good season, and they've had some really good games. Uh, as a close loss here to USC uh, as the Trojans move on uh, in Week 12. And then Oregon at home takes down Utah twenty to seventeen is your final there. Uh, the Ducks needed a good bounce back win, you know, after seemingly losing any any chance of them making the playoff last week. A uh, good bounce back win over the Utes. So feel like they're, every year they feel like they're close, but they just can't quite get over that hump. Uh, but still, you know, two very good Pac-12 teams and Oregon continues to be one of the toughest opponents to play in Oregon. All right, now we'll go ahead and look around the rest of the scoreboard from last week across the SEC. Georgia takes down Kentucky 16-6. Close one there. Georgia's offense just not, uh, not firing on all cylinders in this one, still holding Kentucky to only six points in that one. The biggest shock of Saturday, uh, I think for most people, South Carolina takes down Tennessee 63-38. to South Carolina scores so many touchdowns that they run out of touchdown pyro in this one. And Tennessee seemingly chokes away any chance they had of making the playoff. Uh, so the Volunteers, who were sitting pretty safely at number five in the country, uh, will certainly drop out after dropping a big one to unranked South Carolina. LSU handles UAB 41 to 10 in a non-conference matchup. Alabama likewise playing a non-conference opponent, 34 to nothing over Austin Peay University. Mississippi State takes down East Tennessee State 56 to seven. Texas A&M defeats UMass 20 to three. Let's see Vanderbilt, in another shocker of the day, gets their fifth win of the season, 31 to 24 over Florida. You know, Florida, despite a good first week uh, with a big win over Utah back in week one, has really just tripped and stumbled all the way down. And, you know, I think uh, uh, un, uh, unearned expectations or unearned praise despite that week one win uh, really you know put a damper on Florida's season, and they dropped this one to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt now with five wins on the year, sitting at five and six, of course they've got uh they've got tennessee this coming saturday so who knows but i think it's just it's fun to look at the the commodores and kind of play the what if game you know of what if vanderbilt does beat tennessee on saturday to become bowl eligible auburn takes down western kentucky 41 to 17 and missouri defeats new mexico state 45 to 14 now into the ACC, Clemson handles Miami fairly easy. Uh, Forty to ten is your final score there. Georgia Tech comes into Chapel Hill, takes down the Tar Heels twenty-one to seventeen in a big upset. Carolina was looking for what would have been their tenth win on the year. Uh, now sits at nine and two as they prepare to host NC State on Friday. The Heels just not able to get anything going in this one, and really, you know, the defense didn't have a, a horrible game. Uh, Here, you know, only allowing 21 points. That's enough to win, certainly, uh, especially with the type of offense that Carolina has been able to produce this year. But for whatever reason, Drake May and company just could not get things going on Saturday night. Notre Dame shuts out Boston College 44-0. The Irish have really bounced back after some early season woes. Now find themselves ranked pretty well uh, with a big game coming up this weekend. Florida State takes down Louisiana 49-17 is your final there. Virginia Tech just squeaks by Liberty 23-22 your final score. And Syracuse drops their fifth game in a row now this week to Wake Forest. 45-35 is your final score in Winston and it's kind of amazing to look up and realize that Syracuse started this season out six and O and now is sitting at six and five. so it'll be interesting to see how they round out. I tell you if you know you start from six and O and you end up six and six, that is just the epitome of a disappointing year, especially for a team that you know got so close to the top 10 before finally losing their first game to Clemson weeks ago. Over to the Big 10, Ohio State takes down Maryland 43 to 30, a game that I think was, was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it was going to be. Uh, Ohio State struggling a little bit against the Terrapins. Michigan squeaks by Illinois 19 to 17, so both of your uh, both of your big dogs in the Big 10 East. Uh, kind of struggling a little bit before their big matchup this coming weekend. Penn State takes down Rutgers 55 to 10. Wisconsin over Nebraska 15 to 14. Purdue handles Northwestern 17 to 9 Northwestern remains with only one win on the season. that came all the way back in week zero against Nebraska. Indiana takes down Michigan State 39-31, and Iowa defeats Minnesota 13-10. Now on to the Big 12. Kansas State uh, goes into West Virginia and wins 48-31 over the Mountaineers. Oklahoma in Bedlam takes down Oklahoma State 28-13. The Oklahoma State Cowboys continue just to have a disappointing season that's falling apart here in the second half. Texas uh, gets a bit of a revenge over the Kansas Jayhawks from last season's defeat. 55-14 is your final there. And Texas Tech defeats Iowa State 14-10. Now into the Pac-12, Washington takes down Colorado 54-7. Oregon State defeats Arizona State 31-7 is your final. Washington State over Arizona 31-10. And Cal over Stanford 27-20. We'll take a look now at the college football playoff top 25 just released on Tuesday night. New additions to the top 25 Louisville at 25 and Texas at 23. Out of the top 25 is Oklahoma State and NC State. Your biggest drops, Tennessee, drops from 5 to 10. Utah from 10 to 14. Carolina from 13 to 17. And Ole Miss, 14 to 20. Biggest climbers, Notre Dame up three spots from 18 to 15. And Washington up four spots from 17 to 13. And your top four this week in the college football playoff, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. That remains unchanged, but I'm sure... By this time next week, we're going to have plenty to talk about because those rankings are definitely going to be changing. Well, that's all uh, all I've got for the opening ramble here in the show. We'll go ahead and jump into four-down territory. And this week's four-down territory has a bit of a twist on it as we talk about some of the biggest rivalry games in college football ahead of this week's Rivalry Week. First down. The Egg Bowl, or traditionally named the Battle for the Golden Egg, is the name given to the Mississippi State-Ole Miss football rivalry game. The teams first played each other in 1901. Since 1927, the winning squad has been awarded possession of the Golden Egg Trophy. The game has been played every year since 1944, making it the 10th longest uninterrupted series in the United States. Ole Miss currently leads the series 64, 45, and 6 through last year. This game is the typical example of interstate sports rivalries between public universities. These games are usually between one bearing the state's name alone and the land-grant university, often styled as, quote, State University. Like most such rivalries, it is contested at the end of the regular season, and in this case, during Thanksgiving weekend, if not on Thanksgiving Day. In fact, the Egg Bowl has been played on Thanksgiving 23 different times, including from 1998 to 2003 in 2013 and from 2017 to now. The game now alternates between the two respective campuses. Contests an odd number years are played in Starkville, Mississippi at Mississippi State, and even number years in Oxford, Mississippi at Ole Miss. The very first game in this series was played on October 28, 1901 at Mississippi State. State, then known as Mississippi A&M College, and nicknamed the Aggies, defeated Ole Miss Nicknamed the Red and Blue at that time by a final score of 17 to nothing. The two squads met on the gridiron every year from 1901 to 1911 and then, after a three year hiatus, resumed the series in 1915. Since that 1915 meeting, the two teams have met on the field every season with the exception of the 1943 season, where neither school fielded teams due to World War II. From 1973 through 1990, the game was played at Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium in Jackson, which seats 62,000 people. The stadium was centrally located in the state, and the state's only venue capable of seating the anticipated crowd. For many years, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford seated only about 32,000, and Scottfield and Starkville seated only 31. Both campus venues have been considerably expanded and are now capable of accommodating the expected crowds and both have been continually upgraded to the point where they are superior in amenities to Veterans Memorial Stadium. The Aggies dominated the early days of the series, including a 13-game A&M winning streak from 1911 to 1925, during which the Aggies outscored the red and blue by a combined 327-33. to 33. Through 1925, Old Miss had only won 5 games out of 23 total contests. In 1926, when the Red and Blue ended their 13-game losing streak by defeating A&M 7-6, the Ole Miss fans rushed the field with some trying to tear the goalposts down. A&M fans did not take too well to Ole Miss fans destroying their property, and fights broke out. Some A&M fans defended the goalposts with wooden chairs, and several injuries were reported. According to one account, Irate Aggie supporters took after the ambitious Ole Miss group with cane-bottom chairs and fights broke out. The mayhem continued until most of the chairs were splintered. To prevent such events in the future, students of the two schools created the Golden Egg, a large trophy which has been awarded to the winning team each year since 1927. In the event of a tie, the school that won the game the previous year kept the trophy for the first half of the new year, and then the trophy was sent to the other school for the second half of the year. The trophy is a large football-shaped brass piece mounted to a wooden base and traditionally symbolizes supremacy in college football in the state of Mississippi for the entire year. The footballs used in American football in the nineteen twenties were considerably more obtuse and blunter than those used today, and similar to balls still used in rugby. The trophy, thus, to modernize, more resembles an egg than a football. The game was given the nickname Egg Bowl by the Clarion Ledger sports writer Tom Patterson in the year 1979. Second down. The Apple Cup is the game played between the University of Washington Huskies and Washington State University Cougars, the two largest universities in the state of Washington. First played in 1900, 122 years ago, the matchup is traditionally the final game of the regular season for both teams and generally took place on the Saturday preceding Thanksgiving. With the NCAA's extension of the regular season to 12 games in 2006, the game is often played at a later date. Since 2011, it was most commonly held on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Since 1946, the game has been held in odd years in Seattle at Husky Stadium, while Washington State has hosted during even years at Rogers Field and Martin Stadium in Pullman and Joe Albee Stadium in Spokane. The games in eastern Washington from 1935 to 1948 All in Pullman were held in mid-October. The exception, of course, was in 1945 when two games were played. The first in Seattle in mid-October and the second in Pullman in late November. First awarded in 1963, the Apple Cup trophy is presented to the winner by the state's governor at the conclusion of the game. The teams played for the governor's trophy starting in 1934. This bronze shield was made by sculptor Dudley Pratt and donated and awarded by Governor Clarence D. Martin an alumnus of the University of Washington and the namesake of Pullman's Martin Stadium. The winners for the years 1934-1939 are etched on the shield, and the trophy was awarded until at least 1946. In 1963, the Big Apple, tr- Apple Trophy was donated to the competition by the Washington Apple Commission, emblematic of Washington's national reputation as a major producer of apples. The award was collectively referred to as the Apple Cup, which later came to refer to the game itself. In 1989, the Apple was recognized as Washington's state fruit during the state's centennial celebration. When the college football regular season was lengthened from 11 to 12 games in 2006, there was a movement to change the date of the game from the Saturday before Thanksgiving to the following weekend, which would have allowed a bye week for both teams during the season. In 2006, both teams played 12 straight weeks without a bye, leaving the two teams noticeably fatigued. The 2007 game was played on the Saturday after Thanksgiving for the first time, but the 2008 game was returned to the Saturday before the holiday. The media joked at the time that the 2008 game won by the Cougars and Pullman was the quote, crapple cup and full of worms because Washington State, who was 1-10 in at the time, hosted a winless University of Washington team. The game returned to the Saturday after Thanksgiving in 2009, and the 2011 game in Seattle was moved to CenturyLink Field to allow an early start to the renovation of Husky Stadium. From 1950 through 1980, except for 1954, the Washington State home games in the series were played in Spokane at Joe Albee Stadium. The Cougars won three of those 15 games, and in 1910, the Washington State home game in Spokane was played at Recreation Park. The first game all the way back in 1900 resulted in a tie by a final score of 5-5. The series has been played continuously since 1945 when there were two games, as mentioned, one in Seattle, one in Pullman. And unfortunately, the 2020 game was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But beyond that, this year's game is scheduled as planned. We'll talk about that more later. Third down. In college football, the term Civil War refers to the Oregon-Oregon State football game played every year in the final week of the season. First played 128 years ago in 1984, it is the fifth most played college football rivalry game in the FBS. Both universities are a member of the North Division of the Pac-12 Conference, and the campuses are less than 50 miles apart in the state of Oregon. The series has now been continuously played since 1945. The rivalry was officially known as the Civil War until 2020, when both schools announced on June 20th they would no longer refer to the game by that name, but when you say Civil War, most college football fans know what you're referring to. The game was first played in 1894 and has been contested 122 times, as well as continuously since 1945. Oregon leads the series 67-48-10. The game was not held in 1900, 1901, 11, 43, and 44, and two games were actually played in 1896 and 1945. The very first reference to the Civil War name, however, was in 1929 and came into common use eight years later in 1937. Prior to that, it was called the Oregon Classic, or the State Championship Game. The game is usually played in even number years at the home field of Oregon State, and odd number years at the home field of Oregon. Seven games were actually played at Providence Park, as it's now known, in Portland in 1908, 17, 33, 34, 38, 50, and 52. In an effort to mitigate rioting, the 1912 and 1913 games were played at a neutral site in Albany, following riots after the 1910 game that actually led to the 1911 game's cancellation. From 97 to 2006, the home team won the game. The streak was snapped in 2007 when Oregon State beat Oregon at Autzen Stadium 38-31 in double overtime. In 2008, the Ducks returned the favor in Corvallis by defeating Oregon State 65-38. The streak of visiting teams winning was snapped at two games in 2009 when the Ducks won 37-33 in Eugene. Perhaps the most fun part of this rivalry though is the trophy. From 1959 to 1961, the Platypus Trophy was, a la- was awarded to the winner. Then it was lost for over 40 years, finally being found in 2005. Beginning with the 2007 game, it is awarded to the school's winning alumni association. A different trophy was awarded following the game in 1980. Both share the longest winning streak in the series at 8 games, but the Ducks had an undefeated run of 13 games with 12 wins and a scoreless tie in 1983. Going back to the trophy, again, it's a platypus. Why a platypus? Well, think about what that animal is. A combination of a beaver, like at Oregon State, and a duck, like at Oregon. Fourth down. The Minnesota-Wisconsin football rivalry is the most played rivalry game in the NCAA Division 1 FBS, with 131 meetings between the two teams. The winner of the game receives Paul Bunyan's Axe, a tradition that started in 1948 after the first trophy, the Slab of Bacon, disappeared after the 1943 game when the Badgers were supposed to turn it over to the Golden Gophers. Minnesota and Wisconsin first played in 1890 and have met every year since, except for 1906. Wisconsin currently leads the series 62-61-8 to through 2021. Wisconsin took the series lead for the first time after defeating Minnesota 31-0 in the 2017 game. Minnesota had led the overall series since 1902 and as many times as much as by 20 games. The rivalry's first trophy was, again, a slab of bacon in use from 1930-1943. to Originally created by R.B. Fouch of Minneapolis, it is a piece of black walnut wood with the football at the center, bearing a letter that becomes M or W, depending on which way the trophy is hung. The word bacon is carved at both ends, implying that the winner has brought home the bacon. The trophy's tenure ended when Minnesota's 1943 victory in Minnesota led the fans to rushing the field. Wisconsin student Peg Waltras was about to bring the trophy to a Minnesota representative after the game, but could not find her in the commotion, and subsequently lost track of the bacon. Reportedly the trophy was sent to Minnesota's locker room but coach George Hauser refused it, suggesting such traditions be held off until after World War II. It was then subsequently lost, and the new trophy, Paul Bunyan's Axe, was introduced in 1948. In 1992, Wisconsin coach Barry Alvarez joked that quote, "We took home the bacon and kept it." In 1994, Wisconsin intern Will Rolson found it in an old storage closet at Camp Randall Stadium. It had evidently been maintained for some time, as game scores through 1917 were actually painted on the back. It is now displayed at the Camp Randall Stadium football offices. Paul Bunyan's axe was created by Wisconsin Letter Winners Organization, or the National W Club, and would be instituted as the trophy in the series in 1948. The scores of each game are recorded on the axe's handle, which is six feet long, A new axe was created in 2000, and the original was donated to the College Football Hall of of Fame in 2003. Until 2014, when the game ended, if the team holding the trophy won, they would run to their own sideline, take the axe and carry it around the field, and quote, chop down one or both goalposts. If the team not holding the axe won, they were allowed to run to their opponent's sideline and steal the axe. The tradition was changed in 2014, however, with the axe now kept off the field until the game is over. The change was in response to a near skirmish in 2013 in which the Minnesota players surrounded their goalpost and would not permit the Wisconsin players to ceremoniously chop it down. The usual tradition was then restored in 2015 with with, with Wisconsin winning again 31-21. Hey everybody, this is Alex Butler here with this
0: week's Mascot Minute where we take a deep dive into some of your favorite collegiate mascots. Since it's Thanksgiving this week, today we're going to take a look at the Hokie Bird from Virginia Tech. So what is a Hokie Bird? Well, it's an orange and maroon turkey, but of course, there's more to the story than that. The Hokie's nickname originated in 1896, when the Virginia Agricultural and Mechanical College changed its name to Virginia Polytechnic Institute, now commonly known as Virginia Tech. Then it was abbreviated as VPI, School administrators held a contest to find a new cheer to go with the university's new name. Senior O.M. Stull won the contest with his cheer, Hokey, Hokey, Hokey High, Tex, Tex, VPI. While Stull later admitted that the word hokey had no real meaning, it worked as an attention getter. The term stuck. Athletes became known as Hokies and Tex across campus at the same time the nickname Gobblers surfaced. Stories swirled about the origins of the nickname, but most said it came from how Virginia Tech's athletes gobbled their food faster than anyone else. While the origins of gobblers is more folklore than fact, all terms became fair game at the turn of the century. The gobbler nickname, however, resulted in the arrival of Virginia Tech's first feathered mascot in 1913, a turkey, real gobbler and all. The live turkey was eventually replaced by a mascot in a Tech-themed turkey costume complete with maroon and orange feathers. Hokies fell out of fashion and the mascot maintained the name Gobbler until the arrival of Virginia Tech football coach and athletic director Bill Dooley in 1978. Dooley heard the stories about the nickname's origins and was unhappy about the image it conveyed about his team's eating habits. Dooley immediately removed the gobbling sound from the scoreboard and reinstated the original nickname, the Hokies. The mascot remained, although renamed, and Hokie Bird was born. Despite several changes to its appearance since, the mascot's name has stayed the same since 1978. Students, fans, and athletes are simply known as Hokies, all the result of an 1896 name change. Are there any mascots that you'd like us to feature on the show? Hit us up at Chatting Yardage on Twitter and let us know. Once again, this has been Alex Butler with your Mascot Minute. Pick
1: 6. It is now time for our Pick 6 games of the week. Six games that I find interesting and I believe you should too. Now again, I mentioned at the start of this week's show that we're releasing a day early. And one reason for that is the Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl being played on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Mississippi State travels to number 20, Ole Miss. Uh, I feel like this is one of the more overlooked college football rivalries. But again, this is a rivalry between two teams that simply do not like each other, as most interstate rivalries are. Uh, We talked about the history of the Egg Bowl earlier, but, you know, a college football game on Thanksgiving night, Can be a fun way to spend your evening, especially if you're looking for what should be a very competitive game to watch. Game number two this week, number 19, Tulane takes on number 24, Cincinnati. This is a Friday start, 12 p.m. on ABC. Two teams that have had tremendous seasons. Cincinnati, of course, not having the season that they probably wish they were having uh, compared to the success. That they saw last year. Tulane, meanwhile, has been one of the biggest surprises of this season. Uh, Just having a tremendous year, I believe, still with only one loss on their record, sitting at number 19. So if you're looking for something to do on Black Friday, whether you're coming back home from shopping or just about to fix that leftover turkey sandwich, this might be a good one to turn on. We'll stay on Friday as we head to Friday afternoon, three thirty PM start on ABC. NC State takes on number seventeen University of North Carolina. This one in Chapel Hill. Uh, as it returns to the home of the Tar Heels. Carolina going to be looking for some revenge in this one after the way that they let last year's game go. I believe Carolina was up two scores with only about uh, less than two minutes to go and somehow let NC State back in and steal that one. Of course, this game is going to be sparked a bit by Drake May's comments at the beginning of the year towards NC State. You know, a lot of folks believe it's all in good fun, but, you know, you have to feel that the Wolfpack players probably took it to heart a little bit as well. And State, meanwhile, has had a bit of a disappointing season, but you know if they can defeat Carolina and prevent them from getting a 10th win in the regular season, well, that'll be good enough for them. Then on Saturday, arguably the biggest game of the week, if not one of the biggest games of the season, number three, number three Michigan, excuse me, takes on number two, Ohio State, Saturday noon start on Fox Uh, First time these two teams have been in the top three going up against each other since 2006. Uh, This game is going to determine who goes to the Big Ten Championship. This game is going to likely determine who goes to the college football playoff between the two. One team's going to be in, one team's going to be out, and this is going to be a dandy of a game, uh, I believe. Fifth game of the week, number nine, Oregon, takes on number 21, Oregon State, in the Civil War game, as we mentioned earlier, Saturday 3.30 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Another fun rivalry game between two teams who are hanging around in the top 25, trying to uh, trying to really pad their record to get to a good bowl game later this season. And then game number six, a good Saturday night game here. Number 15, Notre Dame takes on number six, University of Southern Cal, Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Notre Dame, you know, has really uh, proven some doubters wrong after a rough couple of losses at the beginning of the year. Of course, the Stanford losses not that long ago, but uh, they've taken down some good opponents this year as well, and they're currently sitting on eight wins. Meanwhile, USC. Wants to have what is you know have a good win over who is a rival for them in Notre Dame. This game is at home for for the Trojans. Should be a good one, especially with how Notre Dame is currently playing a really good defense going up against one of the best offenses in the country. Again, that's Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. So those are my six recommendation games, all rivalry games. Uh, you got to love Rivalry Week. Always one of the best weeks of the year right here at the very end. Uh, Let us know what you're watching this week. Uh, Let us know on our Twitter. As always, you can find us on there at Chatting Yardage. The extra point. With their win over Rutgers last Saturday, Penn State head coach, James Franklin became the first African-American head coach to win 100 games at the FBS level. So congratulations to Coach Franklin on that historic accomplishment. Playing us out this week is the Penn State Blue Band with their fight song, Fight on State. Until next week, I'm Cam Matthews.
0: This has been the Chatting Yardage Podcast, brought to you by Sports Strength. Want to be part of the conversation? Follow the show on Twitter, at Chatting Yardage. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode.